You are listening to the Critical Mass Radio Show, Orange County's business talk show focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies with your host, Richard Franzi. I love that music. It never gets old. And welcome to Orange County's longest running business talk show. I am your host, Rick Franzi. We have an exciting show planned for you today. Why do you ask? Because Mike Schmidt, the founder of the Rupert Group, is our guest. Mike, welcome to the program. Well, thank you, Rick. And thank you to, to Haley and everybody behind the scenes who makes this happen. Yes. Thank you to everyone behind the scenes, especially Haley, who we've been together since 2016. But the show's about you, Mike, and the entrepreneurial journey. Let's start with your original motivation, or maybe it was the inspiration for you to launch and start your business. In 2009, I had an opportunity to, to leave a company I was a minority interest in, and I thought, hey, what do you want to do? And, 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 I, and I really thought about what I'd done corporately, and, and I'd worked with a lot of mid-sized businesses. Generally, I'd worked with larger companies, and we would occasionally acquire mid-sized businesses, as, as we would define them now, kind of that $20 million to $200 million range. We wouldn't go that big usually, but, but you know, in that, in that lower middle market. And um, we would come in with some arrogance as a big company and think that we had it all figured out. Because we were big, we were good. And I thought, hey, I think we could work with the middle market and help them understand why their customers buy from them, why their employees stay with them, what they do to make money. Because sometimes the profits come in, but they don't really recognize that certain pockets are a little bit more profitable than others. And then add just a little bit of that corporate rigor that would help them improve long-term performance without crushing what makes mm -hmm. them special to their customers and to their employees. You probably saw all the opposite happen when when you work for the larger company buying mid-market companies, you know, sometimes big companies, when they buy mid-market companies, they do crush them. Yeah. And we wouldn't crush them, crush them, but we would crush what was unique about them. <laughs> right. <laughs> like we would, okay. we would just make them look just like we looked and we'd usually do it in like 18 months. So all the blue sky we paid for all the extra, you know, the better things, right? The, 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 all the specialness we could oftentimes squeeze out of it because we'd come in with our accounting processes and our human resources, IS systems and our big company swagger, right? And, and, and you know, pretty, pretty quickly we would move into a market or, you know, we would create our own competition. And and because some of the employees that weren't part of the liquidity event, you know, could take <laughs> off and, and, you know, they'd take some of the better customers and we would do okay. Right. right. But, but we didn't do as well as we projected on the front side when we were looking at it. And and, you know, I, I honestly think that for most mid-sized businesses that are competing against bigger companies, you can be more nimble. You can be more responsive to your customer. You can right. you can you can have that relationship. Um, I think it's a great place to be. And it's not always a comfortable or fun place because you feel like you're on an island by yourself. But, you know, I think there's that's that's kind of what we help try to work with and try to make people understand what they do that is special. Sometimes mid-market uh, leaders are envious of their larger competitors because there's this perception there's more resources, a little more degrees of freedom. Maybe you're more insulated from the economic realities because you're bigger. But the reality is many times those are also constraints on the larger organizations than the middle market has. There are. I mean, there are some advantages to being big, right? There were we could we could compete we could pay our people maybe a little more we were more efficient right and and a lot of the small companies they, they go well our our overhead is smaller and we should make more money and 
And maybe that's the case, but, but, you know, we, as big companies, we figured out how to make money and, 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 and pay people and do some things well, but, but where, where the middle market guys really, I think have their, their finger on the pulse of their customer and their employee in a lot more intimate manner. And if mm-hmm. they can kind of understand how they do that, continue to foster that, I, I think they're set up nicely to compete against the bigger guys in, in most industries. Right? Like certain segments, you just have to consolidate. But for yeah. most part, what I deal with, the company, you know, we, we're the boring companies, right, that I help, right, the, uh, construction and agriculture and manufacturing and professional services and things like that, right? We're not tech. We don't have a lot of IP usually. Uh, you know, we, we, we have employees and we have services and we have loyal customers and that's why, why my customers make money. So that's a perfect segue. You must have read the script into what I wanted to ask you about, which is the Ruber group. You know, if you could, who do you help? What problems are you solving with them? And why do those firms choose to work with you? You know, we've evolved into, you know, doing kind of a generalist type consulting 13 years ago into last seven or eight years, really working with closely held businesses, many times family businesses, and working with them through succession plans. Mm-hmm. Try to get on the front side of issues before they're issues, or, or sometimes once they become issues, try to, mm-hmm. try to try to work them back. You know, work the issues back to a point where we can get to a to a level temperature in the room and make good decisions. And 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 so we do a lot of succession planning, always with the idea of how do we preserve enterprise value, enhance enterprise value. Um, try to avoid tax, uh, you, you know, you know, you, you know, things like that. Um, you can't get out from it, but there are smarter ways to do things than others. Um, so we've got a pretty good group of folks that work with us that we refer in, and and we kind of quarterback um, uh, things that happen within an organization to try to try, try to be as efficient and uh, and beneficial as possible. How long does an engagement last for you with your clients? <laughs> Yeah, on the small side, a year and a half, I'd say, and 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 I've got customers that I'm I've been working with for seven, eight, nine years. So you know, it it, it, it in the old days, maybe it was three, four months at a time, maybe six months, maybe a year, but it's really gotten to a spot where it may start as an engagement, and then we'll work through, and 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 maybe it's more intensive on the front side, but eventually it then becomes a quarterly or a twice a year type of a, of a checkup because we've, we, we've got some things in place and we're just, we're just working on the, on, on the maintenance of the processes that we've, that, that we had set up. So the ROI for a company working with you is where does that come from? What's the ROI? It, it depends. Sometimes it's a true, no kidding ROI. We can go through and look at the balance sheet. We can look at the operation and we can come up with something that we can find that's low hanging fruit in a very rapid fashion and make a couple of little adjustments and, and, uh, and, and make an immediate impact to bottom line. Um, uh, you know, and, and, and sometimes it's just a matter of helping people understand their own finances. Many people understand financial statement and cash flow, but they don't always understand their balance sheet. And so as they start to understand how banks and bonding companies and insurance companies and people like that look at their at their business and their value, then we can start working on the drivers to value that anybody else from the outside might, might look at and help them focus on those things that are most important to themselves and their customers and their and their constituents that they work with. And, 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 you know, make the complicated fairly simple so you can help people make better decisions because they now better understand some of the documents and data that's coming at them. It really is a journey that you put your clients on, isn't it? 
It is. It's the yeah. We don't have a. Unfortunately, we don't have any magic magic fairy dust. We can just kind of sprinkle across the organization and fix all the all the familial issues from fifteen years ago or forty years ago or 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 partners that are struggling with each other. We you know, but but you work the process. You're empathetic with where people are coming from. You try to help people understand that families are families or, or relationships are relationships and businesses are businesses, and we try to. You know, yeah, it's hard to completely divorce yourselves from each, but you try to kind of lower the temperature or get the temperature, sometimes heat up the temperature in some cases to where you can start to make better decisions that that affect the long term, long term, uh, you know, for the family and and for the organization. So I have to believe that every engagement is unique, but I also have to suspect that some of the challenges that you encounter as you put them on this journey of succession planning and then a possible successful exit are common where you've seen this before. So you have some level of uh, experience on how to help navigate that for your clients. Yeah, I think many people don't fully understand how to value their business, right? They have friends and they heard their friends sold their business for a, for an 8X or a 4X or a 12X. They don't really understand, well, times what? 12 times what? Four times what? And so that's pretty common in, in each engagement, in each organization to try to help boil down for that business, for its market with some, you know, relationships I have and data we can pull to try to get them understand maybe where their value might be now and, and, and how do we go through and enhance that over time and build a plan or a program on that. And I think the other thing that's common is that many people come to me because they're all 100% referral, right? I don't, I don't know. I haven't figured out how to market what I do except through trusted advisors, right? And it's, the, and it's the trusted advisor types. It's the, it's the bankers, commercial bankers, commercial insurance folks, the, um, the CPAs, uh, the philanthropies sometimes that the, that the families or, or closely held organizations are dealing with, um, or sometimes an investment banker or a private equity person will go through and, and pass something on to me that they think might be fundable, but isn't quite ready yet. But, you know, except through those folks, right, you, you start to kind of, the commonality is then what, how do you, how do you get to that value? Where should be we? Where should we be working, and we can be the most focused and, and the most beneficial to your organization right now? At, at any one time, how many uh, companies are you helping? I'd say twelve to fifteen a year, and more years. I, I'd say we're getting better at being able to add more, and and because because we've got a variety of different engagements. You know, some are very intense. Some are just board positions, and we'll have three or four boards a year, the, the board meetings a year that we can kind of tap into. In some cases, it's just coaching. So if you're on a smaller side and and you don't really need, uh, you know, a lot of work, but but you just need somebody to, hey, yeah, I need a couple hours a month just to come in and coach, and let's let's talk through, and we have a we have a set agenda, and we're working our agenda, and we're working through those types of things to help develop the business. Um, so we've we've become a little bit more sophisticated in what our service offering is over the years, um, and 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 because of that, it, it it allows us to do more things. Final question: Geographically, where are your customers located? Uh, mostly Western United States, I'd say even the desert south, what I call the desert southwest, which is California, Nevada, Arizona, Utah, a little bit in Washington State, a little bit out in Tennessee. Um, but at the end of the day, if there's an organization or, or, or a closely held organization, you know, family that needs help, 
you know, we, we've got no problem picking up and going to where, where the opportunity is and, and, and help try to bring, there's nothing we love better than come into some sort of dysfunctional issue and, and be able to kind of get it to a spot where it seems like we're making progress. I've got a couple of those going on right now. And I had, I had a, a two day session last week and man, the temperature was here. And by the time I left, temperature's here, and I can see I, we haven't solved it all, but we can see progress is happening. And I and I came back, I talked to my wife, and I'm like, I boy, you feel good. You, you we're, we're making progress. I think we might be able to make this work. So it sounds like I said that was my last question about your business, but I lied because you made me think of something else, Mike. <laughs> it sounds like you have a little bit of psychologist and hum, human behavioralist in what you do as well. I suspect so. I, if people ask, what do I do? My wife doesn't really understand what I do, but it, I'd say 40% of what I do is psychology. 40% is finance and, and kind of understanding financial literacy and that kind of thing. The other 10% is all the rest. That, that It could be a little bit of revenue generation, could be operations, could be, you know, people development and, and that. But if, but, but it's the psych, you know, for many of us, for many of our, because most of our customers are 20 million to $200 million. They, they've been around 20 years or longer. Um, they're on their second or third, round of generational succession and um and trying to get around everybody's mindset and try to get everybody on the same page is a big chunk once we get there then we can really start to make progress okay so let's move in a different direction i, I like to ask my guests is there a piece of business advice that either you have gleaned from an, another person or a book or maybe you've evolved in your experience that you would like to share with our audience today I didn't understand it when people told me this early, but they said, you know, I, we all we've all heard if you can go do something that you're passionate about, you, you know, that's a great way to go get into a business. And and I didn't fully understand that in my 30s when people and I maybe now that I'm in my 50s, I'm only just now really starting to understand it. But I truly believe there's there's really magic in that. If you can find something you can get excited about that. You know, it has you, you just you just like the people. You like what you're doing. You like the you know the monetary or not. You you, you really like what you're doing. It all kind of works. Um, I did. You know. You know. One of the things you and I had talked about for those of us who have family businesses, right? I'm I'm borrowing, but the Harvard Harvard Business. Let's see where where there we are. The Harvard Business Review Family Business Handbook, right? It's a it's really kind of a magic thing for any of those of you that have family businesses that haven't haven't done stuff. It's a great primer to start off with a lot of good ideas. Um, um, it's a pretty small network of folks that are helping family businesses. I think it's going to become more important and more needed in the upcoming years. And, and I think it's something that um, advisors and, and trusted, you know, you know, trusted, well, the really trusted advisor groups to a lot of these closely held businesses are going to need to kind of get themselves up to. And it's not always a binary decision. It's not stay in my business and hate it or sell it and regret it. There's a lot of different ways for us to kind of come up with liquidity and planning events to kind of help you and your business be in a, you know, hopefully be a long-term success, long-term successful operation. So let's look at you as an entrepreneur. Uh, it's a, I'm just wondering, have you ever felt isolated inside your firm or alone as you've been growing and scaling the Ruber Group? Sure, many times. But I've been blessed with many good mentors. I, I, I bring folks in and, and they, they'll help coach me. Um, I've got a couple of people that are helping me even right now. I mean, as we come up with artificial intelligence and as we come up with new business things and, and as the, as, as the banks are all doing whatever the banks are doing right now, you know, I've, I've got a, a, a whole host of folks that I try to tap into and, and I try to be that for them. And they, and, 
um, unbashful, Rick, I'll probably be calling you at some point just to bounce ideas off of just because I think it's good to have that healthy challenge and interaction with people that are smarter than you to try to figure out how do, how do I continue to be better? And and those of us that are you know, passionate about those types of things can continue to make each other better as we go forward. Yeah, I felt really fortunate today, as I was mentioned to you before we came on the air. I um, We had our CFO peer group meeting today, and it was a chance to hear from middle market CEOs what they're doing relative to Silicon Valley Bank and, and, and Signature Bank and the different issues that are going on with middle market banks versus large banks. And so it was nice to get a reality check from peers who are living it, not just reading the headlines or listening to the news. And I spent eight years in a group like you lead, and I found it to be very valuable where, where we all shared ideas, got together on a monthly basis. It was a big part of my development as a, as a manager and a, and a, and a refine, you know, rub, rub some of the rough edges off. I still probably have a few, but, but, you know, <laughs> made me, made me better. And, uh, and, you know, I, I think that constant, I think the other advice too th that you might is be willing to constantly learn, be, be challenger, challenge what you think you understand to be true. Um, and, and, and be open to, to, to constructive feedback from, from folks that you, that, that you trust that are there to willing to tell you, Hey, you might be getting a little offside here. You might do this. It might make you a little better. Yeah, that's great testimony. I'm, I'm glad that you were in a group like this. I, I believe in the power of the peer collective intelligence. Let's let's turn our focus now with the time that we have left to the future. Can you describe your vision for the future of your firm? Yeah, it's continue to work with 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 closely held and family businesses in a more rigorous, uh, more substantial manner, because I think there's just more and more of uh, there's going to be more and more need for that. But I also think that I've, I've really thought about this over the last year, kind of post COVID and thinking about, you know, I can only touch so many. So if, if or somehow we, I might be able to figure out ways to help other trusted advisors to, 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 to feel confident, to be able to start addressing some of these conversations and, and get, you know, sometimes trusted advisors are, you know, that they hear about things that are going on within an organization but they're afraid of kind of stepping outside of the line and, and maybe putting themselves at risk because, um, it, but, but these families, these closely held businesses could be partnerships, could be families, could be whatever they, they need some help. And, uh, and, and, and I think that I would like to be a resource hopefully going forward as I expand, you know, and help other people feel more comfortable in having these conversations and assist a greater number of families than just what I can touch all by myself. I'd like to thank Tracy uh, Wood for the comment. As we can see there on the screen, he likes what he's hearing. And so I appreciate the fact that our audience at occasion makes a comment. And thank you, Haley, for bringing it to our attention. That was really meaningful. You know, the, the, tell me. I paid, I paid Tracy because Tracy and I went to business school together. So he's, he's a great guy. Well, whatever it takes to get eyeballs and eardrums to the show, we appreciate it. Thank you for doing your part, Mike. I, I'm wondering, uh, do you see as, as boomers are aging and moving out, is that is that pushing your business in a positive way as well? Yeah, because I think there's been a, a whole series of, you know, there were a bunch of folks that were kind of thinking 2008, you know, the late 2000s uh, was, a, was a time to, to kind of start to prepare for exit. 2008 delayed that. Then, then they started kind of moving and they started getting back to where some of the valuations that, that they were hearing that their friends were getting back in 2005, six and seven were starting to come back around again a little bit. And then, and then COVID hit 
and and then and then we start coming out of COVID, and now and now we've got you know in, increased inflation and, and and increased interest rates, and and I think people are going, okay, well, how long can I hang on? And 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 I think for there's there's a good number of folks that want to do well by their legacy, and do well by their organizations, and do well for their families, and and so um, it's it's the right time to be thinking about it. Doesn't mean we have to do any transaction right now, but but it is or or and oftentimes people come to me with the idea that they think that they need to do a transaction, but ultimately we work through it. And maybe it's a partial transaction, maybe it's no transaction, maybe it's promotion of of. Uh, staff members that are quite talented on the inside and giving synthetic equity or, or doing things that can kind of, you know, keep that revenue stream coming in and, and, and still maintain the, the, the business and the, and the legacy that's that the people work so hard towards. And that has to be, I think, one of the intrinsic values of working with you is you've seen so many different ways deals get structured and exits get structured that there's no one size fits all and maybe bringing options to the table liberates the business owner's mind as what their options might be. And my team that I use has even seen more than I have. So I'm, I'm constantly trying to educate myself and bring other ideas. And if I come up with something that I'm not quite familiar with, I, I, I luckily have a pretty good network of folks that I can, I can tap into and say, hey, what do you know about this? And I always walk away smarter after having a conversation with somebody. So if someone would like to connect with you on LinkedIn and learn more about your firm, how do you suggest they do that? Well, you can look us up as Mike Schmidt, and and I'm in Santa Ana. So you look, the, I think that goes directly to it. I'm, I'm Schmidt MJ. If you just do that, I think that takes you to my link as well. Or, or, or the Ruber Group also has a has has its own LinkedIn page as as just Ruber Group, and uh, and and we would love to talk with you. And uh, feel free to message me, or I believe my contact information is in those as well. You can give me a phone call or send me an email. I'd be happy to happy to have conversations. Okay, so I can't leave the interview without asking you to tell us the origin of your company's name. Uh, my degree is in horticulture from Cal Poly San Luis Obispo. And and uh, and so one of the things in order to graduate from the horticulture department, you have to memorize 1,600 plants, uh, it, both botanical names, common names, kind of what, what the, the whole thing, right? And so you have to be able to do – one of my favorite plants is uh, is is the oak tree. And and the and the California oak is the Quercus agrifolia, and uh, but Quercus group, Quercus company, Quercus and Quercus was all taken, right? Well, you know, so rubra is a subset of Quercus, the genus, and it has the red oaks in it. So rubra uh, is 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 a part of the oak group that has red oak, and I my wife and I come from Santa Maria, California, and we barbecue with red oak, and so it, it married my my home with oak trees and. Uh, that's probably more information than anybody really needs to know. <laughs> but it was available. It was available at the Secretary of State so I could get the name. That's what's important. Well, I want to thank you for uh, an enjoyable interview. I certainly had high expectations and you delivered. So thank you for being on the show today. Rick, thank you for the invitation. And I'll look forward to staying in touch with you as well. Absolutely. I'd like to thank the audience too. You've been a part of Orange County's longest running business talk show here at Critical Mass. And Mike's episode was episode number 1,424 in our catalog. Wow. If you're a peer Orange County entrepreneur and you would like to tell your story, then reach out to me. I'm Rick, R-A-C, Franzi, F-R-A-N-Z-I. That's my Twitter name. I mean, my LinkedIn name. Sorry, I'm no longer on Twitter, but that's neither here nor there. And that's also my website, Rick, 
franzi.com if you'd like to check me out. And until the next time we have a chance to be together, I truly hope that all of your business decisions will move your company in a positive direction. Thank you.